Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anti Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Anti Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Anti Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 16th, 2020. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. It's time for another Casenza Epiphany. I hope it's better than mine because I was just telling Laura that I had what literally seemed like a 30-minute dream last night. Wow. All I was doing was trying to pick an ice cream flavor at an ice cream shop near the Tower of London. <laughs> near the Tower of London? <laughs> the most boring dream in history, and I couldn't wake up from it. And I still don't know what flavor I picked. Keep calm and pick peanut brittle. <laughs> oh, I hope it's better than that. <laughs> Keep calm and pick Rocky Road. Didn't have Rocky Road. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Well, you know, um, I realized this week that my tournament poker career was over before it even started. Over before it even started. So, you know how uh, electrical plugs here in America, because I'm acknowledging we are worldwide, uh, they have that one prong that's larger than the other, right? And every time I go to plug in something, I never have the plug right. I always have to flip the plug over, no matter no matter how many times I do it, no matter what angle I come at it. Because like I, I work with a lot of power tools now when I'm working on these trees and stuff, and no matter what, when I go to plug in a new tool, it's like it's it's always the wrong way. No matter what, I think oh I'll even do like you know Murphy's law and I'll flip it in my hand before I go to plug it in just because I know I'm going to be wrong, and then I'm wrong anyway. It doesn't matter, right? And then, and then the other night, uh, it was like the middle of the night or something. But I got up to get dressed, and I put on my shirt, and I figured, well, I got a fifty-fifty shot of putting on my shirt correctly, getting dressed in the dark. And of course, I always emerge from the bedroom with my shirt on backwards. It, it, it doesn't matter, right? So, and then the other day, getting, getting back to the trees, the other day, I had a fifty percent chance of rain. And I looked out at the sky, and it was pretty blue. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think it's going to rain, so I'm going to spray or apply the insecticide to my trees. And what happened? It rained. <laughs> I always lose coin flips. It doesn't matter what I do in life. I If it's a 50-50 shot, I come out on the losing end. And that's why I could never be a tournament poker player. Whenever I play tournaments, even, even in cash games, like if, if I go all in and somebody calls and then it's like a 50-50 shot that I'm going to win the hand, I don't win the hand. I always lose flips. 
And, and it's just it's cementing it that I'm glad we chose the poker journalistic route for our careers rather than trying to make a living at Derby Lane, flipping with guys who get it all in with third pair on the end and then, you know, suck out with two pair on the end. And, I, and I've got them crushed with aces. You know, it's just the way it goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad, but it took me a long time to realize it. I don't win flips. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough thing to overcome. You can't really uh, learn how to uh, win flips by listening. Well, certainly you can't learn anything listening to this podcast. <laughs> you can't learn to win flips listening to any podcast. So I mean, you know, people will is- probably write in and say, "Well, you, if you just become a better tournament player, you don't have to, you can avoid the flips." And I'm like, "No, you can't. You can't avoid the flips. You're always going to get it all in with people, and it's always going to happen pre-flop, and you're always going to have." queen queen and they're always going to have ace king and they're always going to flop an ace and it's just it's, it's, it's going to happen you have to get it all in you have to survive flips you know i mean there are a lot of people who've talked about how they won the world series of poker by never being behind when they got it all in but it doesn't matter with me i can get it in ahead 80 20 and it's not a flip it doesn't matter it becomes a flip for me it still becomes a flip it doesn't matter so i i think uh i chose the right path i i'm glad i didn't really buckle down and study every book and learn every percentage and you know memorize every tell and try to make it as a as a player because i just the fate had it that i was never going to win flips and i was never going to be a professional book player so very happy i realized it just glad i didn't want to make that my career as a retired you know journalist well uh here's my advice is uh when you get the plug uh flip it I did though. I did, and it's still wrong. Just never going to be right. So, you know, that's why I like I used to get it all in behind once in a while because I know saw all the people from behind beating me. I said, let me let me let me call the all in with deuce deuce, (laughs) you know, or you know something, and it just didn't matter. No matter what I did, I'd lose the flips. So I am not going to pursue that career. Do not look for me on the circuit anytime soon. All right, America's Card Room, one of the largest U.S.-facing online poker sites, released an article on its website this week detailing its efforts to thwart poker bots. Three things it says it specifically does are, one, using a Google CAPTCHA for players to prove they are human. If users don't immediately respond to the CAPTCHA, their account is suspended until they can show a video of them playing that can be compared to prior play. Uh, Two, frequently changing graphics pixelation so bots cannot read cards. Uh, chip stacks and more without constant reprogramming and three transparent banned account policy that posts details of banned accounts on the website and issuing refunds to affected players i um i applaud this uh i i'm i'm very happy that it's not just oh we have a little program that detects you know i mean this is pretty serious stuff and it's multi-leveled uh a couple of questions one if your account is suspended how do you video? <laughs> video yourself playing to compare it? I don't know how that happens. I did um, wonder that as well, too. I mean, did he expect me to go to, like, a live poker table and see me be playing that way? And then do they expect me to join another rival card room online and play? Uh, and the other question is, I would love to be the America's Card Room video verifier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that's a job. Joey Ingram and Doug Polk sitting there. That's right, exactly. What, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> saying, hey, oh, no, 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 he raised with aces there. He never raises with aces. <laughs> no, that I don't know. And then the other thing was the uh, the Google CAPTCHA 
Like, it, that's just for logging on, though. So you can log on and then initiate the bot, I would think, right? So I think... So, so many questions, yeah. uh, not enough answers. Yes, you're but correct. but I'm I'm encouraged by this. I'm, I I'm applaud them. Like I said, I think it's a great thing. I just want to make sure these things are clear. Because even in the, I read the article twice, and it did not explain how you're supposed to video yourself playing, or what they expect from that. And so they're obviously yeah, they raises some questions. But at least it gives you some sort of hey, they're trying and they're doing what they can, and probably are successful at most of this. I really like the changing of the graphics pixelation. That just seems like such an easy thing. I mean, I, I would have never thought of myself, but it seems like such an easy thing now that's really easy on their end. Yeah. I mean, you're at home. You don't really care whether the screen is the table you're playing on is red or green or purple, right? But if, you know, a, a couple of tweaks of a code changes that and then the bots can't read stuff and then the bot, bot owners have to go back and reprogram too, it's a little bit more of a cat and mouse, but... Certainly, a, you're a big cat, and that's a tiny mouse, so you're going to win that more often than others, I think. So One of the things that this uh, made me think of was when they explain what they do, it, it, it reminds me of, I know someone who works with one of those, um, those safety companies that uh, teach the drills to children at the schools for mass shooters entering the property or something, oh, and, yeah. and I thought to myself, most of the time when these schools get shot up, it's by a student and it's a lot of times it's by a student in that school and i thought you're teaching these kids what they're going to do to be prepared so now if there's someone in there who's going to shoot up this classroom they're going to know how these people are preparing to defend themselves against what you want to do to them sure and so you should not be teaching these you know i mean so then i thought something like that with this america's card room thing i thought okay they're teaching like the people who would program these bots and use these bots, what they do to, you know, to stop bots, and then they can just prepare to, you know, they can figure yeah, out I mean, a way around it. Say, I mean, one, even if you know what they're doing, it still takes effort to thwart it, right? So, right. I mean, it's not like you're giving them the the keys to the house and walking away, right? So they still have to break the lock. <laughs> um uh And then, two, I think, really, I mean, what is the bigger problem? And, and this is a... Uh, question it's not a statement uh um the number of people out there cheating on these uh, online sites or the uh, goodwill you get from the vast majority of players who aren't cheating by coming out and being very transparent and um uh, detailed in what you're doing to keep them safe at the table yeah. right so yeah. i mean there's a pr um and customer loyalty bonus you get from from doing something like this, even at the risk of making it a little bit easier, maybe for the cheaters to cheat. So, I do like the way you say thwart. <laughs> I can clearly hear the T at the end when you say thwart. Thwart. Like if I said it, I'd be like thwart. You know, and then you wouldn't even hear the T. I always drop the last letter half the time because I'm wow. from New England. Well, you're from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm, I'm uneducated, but uh, the way you say it, you're like thwart it, and I'm like, wow, he really emphasized the. T- at the end there. That was very impressive. I never thought about not emphasizing it either. We're self-conscious about it. Thank you. Yeah, you can't say bull. No, no, I can't. Well, I, I can. I just can't say bull. Bull. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right, as if, it is bad, as if it isn't bad enough that an army of hackers are constantly trying to steal our private data, an article from techrepublic.com says these hackers routinely compete in online poker tournaments where the prizes aren't cash, 
buy-ins, but treasure trove of stolen data or things like airline tickets bought with stolen credit card numbers. The games are allegedly very well organized, with hackers having to play three times to become a member of the games, and then play at least four times a month to keep their membership in good standing. What I like most about what you wrote was that you threw in the word allegedly for the organization of this, but you didn't use allegedly for all the other illegal activity. That stuff's all verified, but allegedly it's organized. (laughs) Um, So I read this, and I thought, I mean, I I couldn't even understand. I couldn't even understand the items that they were they were going to like give people and how i mean it it's so over my head i i even the stuff they're talking about oh they gave away this qwih turn i'm like what what are these things that the that's how clueless i am when it it's comes like, to this kind of stuff we're going to succeed as hackers no so. way i don't Literally understand no the prizes <laughs> and then also i wondered about like how do you determine, like, if you come in third place, you get the stolen airline tickets, or is well, it? I, I, I it's mean, probably kind of like a charity tournament, right? Where you don't get uh, there's not a cash percentage payout. Like, you know, if you finish first, you get the trip to the Venetian. If you finish second, you get the Annie of Cruise, and all right, if you finish 198th, you get a uh, Chili's gift card, right? <laughs> so you got to guess that's how it is. I uh, know. I got a toaster, by the way. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I got a toaster. <laughs> for finishing like 30th in the tournament once uh, yeah you're right I, 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 a lot of the stuff is well beyond my pay grade uh, but I, I did chuckle a little bit at the airline tickets bought with stolen credit card numbers and thought of Livia Soprano there getting arrested at the airport <laughs> then told the captain to tell her to be quiet so. <laughs> you don't rat uh, but you know, all right. so I'm having fun with it because I think you have to have fun with a story like this right but it is it really frustrating um, you know, the number of times I think we've all had our credit card compromised, and unfortunately I haven't yet had my identity stolen like some of my friends have, and that's just... Brutal. Horribly brutal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but wow, I mean, not only did he spend this time getting all this information, but then like, hey, let's get together, let's get the home game tonight. <laughs> and I could just see one of these people like... Uh, there's one guy in this game, right, that is always complaining that they're taking the stolen airline tickets out of the pot for the Kentucky Derby prize. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to fly to Hawaii because you guys are playing your stupid game. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want the logins to all the ATM machines, you know, which is redundant. But uh, you keep taking them out of the pot for your stupid horse race. <laughs> it is bizarre how they do it. And how do you... Like, how do you, you – you can have the tournament, but how do you, like, pass out the – like, who says, okay, I'm willing to give up my airline tickets for today's prize pool, and what are you willing – you know what I mean? It's even that. Like, when it's cash and people are donating things, that's one thing. But how do you – all right, I'm going to give you the uh, the codes to, you know, uh, the, the how to obtain a bumper bracket for a 97 Saab. I, I mean, I don't understand how this this stuff even comes up. How do you and how, who puts the value on these things? Like, oh, those tickets are worth way more than than those codes. And I, I'm pretty sure you're overthinking this. This is no different <laughs> than taking the nuts off your wagon wheel and putting it in the pot, or tossing a uh, ticket to the Titanic in the pot so Leonardo can uh, get shoved off the door by Kate. It's our luckiest day in the world. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I guess I don't understand at all. I mean, I, I, I didn't even understand the gift. So fun, Chris, is what I'm saying. I think uh, this is how uh, hackers relax after a tough day at the office. Yeah, but they're still ruining people's lives while they're doing it. 
Oh yeah, but they don't care. How dark is that? Not yeah. only not only are we going to ruin your life, but we're going to do it as a sport. And that's just sick. It's like those what are those games, those movies where they they hunt people? You know, they send them out in the wild oh, and they yeah. go chasing them with their guns. At the very least, let me watch this on online, like on Zoom, so I can know who who I'm rooting for to get my credit card. Data, <laughs> That's right? right, exactly. That guy looks less criminal than that guy. I want him to win. <laughs> oh man, scary stuff, man. Scary stuff. First two items are pretty scary. Yeah, let's uh, let's calm it down a little bit. So um, through Monday, you can bid on dozens of items owned by poker legend Mike Sexton, who died of cancer last month. With all proceeds benefiting Poker Gives, the charity Sexton helped found. A number of poker photos, trophies, and other things, including his poker table, are available, but also several items from his time at the Ohio State University, including a photo of him as a gymnast, items from his Army career, including a service shirt, as well as household items, including a bed, will be up for auction. Uh, for the link, search for Mike Sexton Tribute Auction on Facebook. That's really, that's really nice, really good, you know, um, keep his memory alive, help his charity, and just really, really feel-good story there um, from someone who was taken way too soon. Absolutely. I think and this really shows the uh, the very good you can do in building a personal brand like he did, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, I was looking through these items, and um, and some of them that you would want because you want a little uh, be reminded of Mike, right? And then other things are just stuff you own. Again, like this bed, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. there's nothing on it. This is Mike Sexton. Right. But the fact that he's he spent a lifetime building a brand, uh, building a charity, and then um, at the end uh, you can really benefit that charity just from who you were and the kind of guy you were. So I think that's really really cool. So now, I didn't see the photo, but I I think it would probably be uh, the one where he's doing the rings and he's he's doing the cross where his arms are out. You know, he's yes, stretching. Yeah, that was out. it. Yeah, yeah, I knew it had to be that photo. I've seen that yeah. photo before of him yeah, doing a it. A couple other ones, but that one was one of them. So. Yeah, yeah. Just super uh, cool. Yeah, super so, cool. Incredible. Definitely check that out, folks. All right, good. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we're not at the updates well, yet. You need to do the reopenings. Turn. Nope, sorry. <laughs> uh, here is this week's update on casinos and poker room reopenings in Pennsylvania. Mohegan Sun Pocono has reopened its poker room in Indiana. Caesar Southern Indiana has reopened its poker room. We will have more next week, as I've heard rumors of a couple things opening up that I didn't get to before the show. So. Right. Go to uh, uh, antiupmagazine.com slash reopen for those updates because that's where we list verified details on casino poker room reopenings. And if you have any updates, email us at editor at antiupmagazine.com and also look for that uh, weekly e-blast that we send out. Um, and you can subscribe to that on the homepage at antiupmagazine.com. Right, now it's your turn, Chris. Yeah, it's time for any updates. Uh, Papes, the Antiup Fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details on how you can join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th of every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. So that means if you're listening to us on our official day, you, uh, you're going to play tonight. Uh, that's Friday the 16th. Um, and then PokerStars also lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Also, you can check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, uh, and much more with your choice of the Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, or Annie Up Poker Tour logos. And if you have a hand of the week listener spotlight or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at com 
or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. We have a new O'Malley's move. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're at our regular $2-$5 No Limit Hold'em Casino Cash Game. The action has been fairly steady. There's quite a bit of raising pre-flop, but not a lot of 3-betting. We bought in for 1000 and have lost around 200 We sit with 800 There is one uber-maniac at our table who is two seats to our left. The blinds post, the under the gun, and plus one fold, and we're in the MP with the ace of spades, ace of diamonds. Pretty straightforward here. We raise to $20, which is the standard raise. The maniac calls, as do both blinds, and we're going to the flop with around $80 in the pot. The flop comes down the king of clubs, eight of diamonds, six of diamonds. I don't like the diamonds, but all things considered, this might not be a bad flop for our hand. If anybody has a king, they're probably going to pay us off on a couple of streets. A set of kings doesn't make sense, since we weren't raised pre-flop, so really we're only behind eights or sixes. The blinds check, and we make a $50 bet into the pot. The maniac opponent raises us to 200 He started the hand with 1250 The blinds get out of the way. I could go one of two ways here. I think raising is an interesting option, but I'd really like to see what our opponent does on the turn. We make the call. With 480 in the pot, the turn is the 8 of hearts. Maybe this is a misstep, but I decide to check for pot control. Our opponent shoves with little thought. So, we've got two pair on a paired board. What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Brandon Howe in the house, right? Huff. Huff. <laughs> Charlie Huff. Brandon Huff. I can never get this right. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> or he hasn't corrected this yet, so I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's waiting till we get to the end of his eight hands to let us know who's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, this is the third of eight hands he sent us. Uh, the last two have been really uh, fun to uh, analyze, so let's see if it continues here. All right. All right, this is a live one-two no-limit hold'em uh, hand uh, in one of the New Hampshire uh, poker rooms. Oh. That is presently reopened, Boston Billiards. Okay. Um... All right, apparently it folds to us in the cutoff with a seven of diamonds, six of diamonds. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm all for playing hands like this. If you're, you know, if you're in really good position, if you think a raise is going to get people to fold behind you so you'll have position the whole way through the hand, um, if you have a, a reputation for something like, oh, he only plays big cards, well, now when you play this... You know what I mean? Then you people are going to think you have big cards. So now you're doubly um, threatening because you can represent any high cards. And if low cards come, you're going to hit them. So that's the kind of stuff I like. I like to have position with suited connectors. I don't like to play them out of position. You know, if you're in the cutoff, you know, you might get the button to call. And if he does, then to me, it's tragic. At that point, you're just like, uh, now I just got to, you know, bite the bullet and follow with a C bet no matter what. Or so. I don't know. I don't like to be put in tough positions, um, but in this case, if I'm gonna play it, I'm definitely gonna raise. And so, whatever the 
standard raises for that table or what I've been doing all along is what I'll raise it to. So if it was me, I'd probably raise to 8 or 10 at a normal table, maybe even 12, depending on if it's a loose table. But uh, any any kind of raise, that's standard, I'll do. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely raising this all day long. Again, this is one of those things that I tell folks Then you're trying to um, expand your range a little bit, suited connectors and cards that uh, are good to try that with. And particularly in position, I mean, we're not on the button, um, but uh, we are in the cutoff and it's been limped to us. So um, this is a really good time to take a shot. And then you can represent a lot of hands with it. Uh, and plus, your hand has a lot of potential, too. You know, flushes and straights as well, too, in addition to whatever you can make up that you can represent because you're the first to raise in uh, in position. So uh, definitely raising. Uh, I, I normally, I think, raise to 10, 1, 2, but uh, whatever the table is. And our hero agrees. He raises to $7. Uh, doesn't say that's his table standard, but we're going to assume it is. Okay. Um, and uh, he gets four callers. Wow. So someone must have limped. Because there's only the button and the two blinds left behind them. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, so someone must have limped. Okay. okay. Well, that changes things then a little bit. For me. Yeah, a little bit, because I would have raised more than that then, definitely. Either that or I'll call at that point. And, yeah, uh, that too. I mean, I like to have position. If I can raise and make sure the button folds, I don't mind that either, and then put people on the on the heels of their feet. But, um, yeah, if somebody limped ahead, I, I might have talked a little differently earlier about it, but I, yeah. I probably would raise more then because of the limp than just seven. All right, the flop is the Queen of Diamonds, four club, seven of hearts. Um, wow, everything's kind of a little out of order here. Um, let's say it checks to us. Well, I mean, you got to bet. Since we did raise, we represented, like I said, now if there's four callers, that means a button's behind us, which sucks. Uh, I'm assuming, unless there were other limpers that I don't know about. So, um, but if the button did call, I think you have to put out something. And so you raise preflop. That means generally when people see raises, they're not all crafty like Scott Long. They uh, they generally raise with bigger cards. So you have the option of representing that queen um, with your bet. You have the option of it actually being a pair that's bigger than the queen because you raise preflop. And you actually hit the seven, so you're not going in blindly. So... I, I would make a bet. So if there's let's see, seven dollars, there's four callers, there's twenty eight in the pot, so probably thirty, almost thirty in the pot. Maybe well, like I said, I don't know who limped. So, yeah. um, but if it's like twenty eight or thirty in the pot, then I'd probably bet twenty, you know, something like that, eighteen twenty bucks here. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I absolutely agree on betting here as well too. So I mean, we didn't hit this uh, flop hard, obviously, but we did pair a card. We did pick up a card for our straight, and we picked up a card for our flush. So we got a little bit of everything here. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we mentioned, we were the preflop raiser, so there's really no reason to slow down here. So, All right, our hero decides to check instead. Uh, uh, oh, wow, this is so crazy. I'm sorry. So he checked, and then there's people acting after him? Uh, yes. So apparently the button uh, bets $20. Okay. Two players fold. All right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, doing my best here. <laughs> uh, two players fold. Uh, so let's say it's back to us. Well, there were four players in the hand, so that means there's got to be someone else. Uh, let's see. The hijack is still still alive. So. Okay. So let's see. The hijack is before us, so what they yeah, do... Right. Yeah. 
So the hijack calls, obviously, right? Or he folded too. He's yes. The- All right, right. So the hijack calls. There we go. There we go. All right. So button bets twenty dollars. The okay. blinds fold. Hijack calls and back dust. There we go. All right. So we gave up control of this hand. Um, unless you, if you think a check raise here is going to work, which I don't think it will. With that many, with that many players in the hand, you won't check raise. You, you you're not going to check raise because you're 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 taking the risk of too many people getting that's eight cards out there getting a free look at another card and that's not what you want when you're multi-handed when you when you have a lot of people in a hand with you you're not taking the 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 path of hey i'm going to check cuz this guy's going to bet behind me no you're the one that raised preflop and now you're check raising that doesn't make any sense at all so checking now is is really weak here um I, you have to bet there, and because you didn't bet, I can't see you raising now. Plus, you have another person involved in this hand, so that means someone has you beat. So even if you raise now, I don't think they're going to believe you. you did, just did a check raise here won't make sense. So well, if you're going to put you in a really bad spot of having to continue that on the turn with a weak hand, I mean, yeah, completely uh, whiff on the turn. I mean, are you going to want to now put sixty a sixty dollar bet out there? And you're opening up the betting again to someone who bet the $20 and was happy to bet the $20. So now that person's probably got something like a queen in his hand. King, queen, ace, queen. Even ace, queen wouldn't re-raise probably. Right, because at this point, I mean, now you're hoping for a a good turn card. There are good turn cards could come. You know, we can get another one towards our straight, another one towards our flush. Or both. Uh, Five of clubs would be perfect. Second seven. Yeah. Six, so... There are cars we'd like, we, so we we'd like to get to that uh, turn for the twenty bucks now. Yeah, the the fact that you checked means you have to call here now if you're going to play the hand at all. I mean, you you could know your beat and just check. So, um, I mean, you could just, or just fold. I mean, but you chose to check here. You you raise pre flop and then check. It's really a lot of times I'll say it's fishy, but not when there's four players. It's when your head's up, then it gets fishy because it's like okay, but now. I mean, you you had to bet there and you didn't. So I'm gonna call and hope for a good turn. But I I would consider folding too. Believe it or not, I would consider just folding it here. Oh yeah, no. I mean, here's the thing you got to think about. So if you if you checked this flop because you weren't happy with the flop, right? Uh, then you shouldn't be happy with the twenty dollar bet. I right. mean, you should be just done with this now. I mean, you put seven bucks in, you got a piece of it, you didn't get enough of it that you're so comfortable with. Uh, let's go home now. I mean, it's not call the 20 and be out of position for the rest of the time right so yeah, yeah. it is a different story if, if you bet out here and maybe got raised at that point now you know it's a little, it's a little different so i think you, you there i might consider a call um so yeah uh it, it just depends on what you're going to do here i mean i don't think you can passively play this to the end now so i mean i think you're going to have to play back at the button at some point um but definitely not raising so yeah yeah, a folder call, and, and my gut tells me that, yeah, I hit that pair, but I got a better and a caller. There's not a, there's no draw out there really, except five six. I mean, really. So what, what's the guy calling with, and what's the guy betting with? And one of them is just trying to steal it, and but one of them isn't. You can't bluff two. One of them has got something that probably beats us. So I would consider folding here. I really would. So because of the way he played it at that point. I would not have folded 
if somebody bet yeah. ahead. You know, somebody, that's why I would have bet here because there's yeah. enough here that I liked um, that I could I could confidently put that C bet in and uh, fade a raise and then look for a good turn card. Um, so it, it is kind of tough for me to get away from this, but twenty bucks is twenty bucks. So yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we do call, and so does the hijack. Okay. Our hero does say this is kind of a loose call, but I do a middle pair and a backdoor and backdoor draws. Uh, all of us in the hand now have about 150 behind. Turn is the eight of diamonds, so our board now is the queen of diamonds, four of clubs, seven of hearts, eight of diamonds, and uh, check to us. Well, I, I like that card. It hits both of our. You know, it gives us the straight possibility and it gives us the flush possibility. So that's a really good card for us. Yeah. I just don't know if I want to bet and then be raised out of this hand. I, I'm not going to put my whole stack in on on a draw with only one card to come. Um, and I could be drawing to the wrong hand. You know, somebody somebody else could have bigger diamonds. You know, it's a good point. We don't know what we want here. We don't know. I assume we went the straight. The straight would be more. Um, advantageous to yeah, us. Yeah, but it's still just a gutter. That's the thing. It's it's so it's not even you know, it's it's four outs. That I'm I'm not gonna be confident in bet and put a bunch of my chips in the middle for four cards. So yeah, so maybe you got four outs there and then the flush isn't good. The flush isn't good, then you're hoping to make two pair that, you know, might be good if you have to have your own two pair, so you'd have to hit the six. Um so you have what, three more outs you know, although yeah, so three more outs, so maybe seven outs. I don't want to be really confident with seven outs, and I've got someone behind me who's got a pension for betting. So um, I think I would check again and then see what kind of bet he puts out. And then if he puts yeah. out something significant, I'd have to reassess. But at this point, I, I don't like just betting out here and then having the guy behind me who bet last street say, "Oh yeah, well I've got top, you know, top top, or I've you know whatever it is," and then bets me out of the hand. So I think I might check again. Absolutely, have to check here. I think the way we played it. So, um, you know, at this point, we want to get the show down cheaply. I mean, we we don't have a winning hand right now. Right, right, right. yeah. But we have a lot of potential with that river card. So if we can get that river card pretty cheap, and then we can uh, then we have lots of options to us. So, but uh, I don't want to pay any more than I have to to see that last card. Yeah. All right. So we decided to bet twenty five dollars. He says, partly as a blocking bet, but I also picked up uh, some draws, and I wasn't sure the button really had anything. Uh, and I had wanted to get busy on the turn. If I river something good, I could get another bet out of the button. Um, uh, he says he looks at me very suspiciously. He really does not like me betting out. He uh, reluctantly calls, and the hijack really does not like calling either, but does as well, too. So, again, we're completely out of order here, but... No, no, we're not. We're the cutoff. So it checked to us. The hijack checked to us. We right. We bet button called hijack called. So we're we're okay. The the problem is now the pot is bloated and we have third pair. Right. Well, I think it's interesting to me that that our bet was only twenty five. Yeah. Um, and we did not get raised by any of these people, right? So. I'm looking at this turn card. What what could they put us on there that they, they they if you had a Let's say uh, ace queen, or even maybe like a ten queen, because no one re-raised us, right? So pre-flop. So are we? What about this eight of diamonds scared this guy that bet twenty out, right? Well, I think maybe it's the action. It's bizarre that to have someone just bet now after you took control of the hand from him, and now he bets out. So they're are they thinking, all right, maybe he does have an overpair to me, but it's only. 
You know what I mean? I don't know what this guy, or maybe he has a similar hand to me. Maybe he has ace-queen, and I have king-queen. So I'm a little worried, so let me just call and then see what the river brings because I have position on him. Then the other guy is saying, well, I'm drawn. So now that it, you've bet and you've called, now I'm going to call because it's a draw. So I, I can see it playing out that way. If, if I'm sitting at the table trying to put stories together, that makes sense to me. I bet out, and then the guy calls me and all this other crap. So then when it gets to the turn, now our guy bets out after we check the hijack checks to him. Now the button's saying, okay, well, I bet last street, and he's willing to bet into me. I'm really happy with my top pair, but maybe he has an over pair. I'm not really sure. Let me just call and see if I can make my own two pair. You know, who knows? But um, it, it, to me, it makes it makes sense, the calls. I mean, the, the guy would have to have a monster hand on the button to raise us down to 75 or 100. So he, it seems like the, one of them has a queen. Maybe both of them have a queen. Uh, one of them has That's a queen. Really, it's really our best-case scenario is they both have queens and not have draws, right? Right. Um, because now if we pick up our diamond or our uh, our five, then we can feel really confident confident with it, right? But uh, but if one of them has a queen, the other one's on a draw. Again, yeah, now uh, that that kills some of our draws, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean the five would be ideal because no one's going to have that straight or a better straight than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. It is not because we have the six. So um, you know, unless somebody had somehow six nine, which no one in this hand has six nine. So. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So the five is what we want. The clubs are, if they both have queens, the, club, uh, the diamonds are better. But uh, it could be one is on a draw and one has a queen. Either way, you know, I don't think we're going to push both of them off the hand on the end, especially if a scare card comes. So um, I don't like the bet. I don't like the bet at all. Um, okay. So the river is the ten of clubs. So our final board is queen of diamonds, four of clubs, seven of hearts, eight of diamonds, ten of clubs, missed everything, and a check to us. Yeah, I don't mind checking here. Um, I, you know, it, it may look like we tried to steal on the last street, but it may look like pot control now too. So they may not get out of line and bet over us now. So unless the the button was the guy on the draw, and now he's got no way to win except shove, he's going to want a showdown value and just check it. So I I think that um, unless that's the one who was drawing, I think we're safe to check here and show our hand and hope that we, you know we have the best hand. I don't think we do. And you could go into that way too, thinking the only way I'm going to win this hand now is to bet. Um, exactly. I, I guess that's what I'm thinking. I mean, and there's the, the, we have got maybe what a 5% chance of winning this with our sevens. Yeah. If that, uh, it, it really probably, yeah, that's probably generous. Right. So to me, it's now the decision is, do we just like surrender and I understand we lost $52 on this hand or, do we bet and try to bluff people out of this pot? And the reason I'm, I'm more emboldened for the latter is that, you know, we, we donk bet this 25 on the turn and we just get calls. We didn't get raises. So this 10 of clubs should not have helped anyone um, unless somebody was playing queen 10, as we mentioned. So, you know, I, I do think we have an opening here for us to put a, a, a not a crazy bet, but a decent uh, uh, kind of a bet that people would expect on the river with a made hand, and get these two players to fold and, and rake in a nice pot with um, third pair. Yeah, that's that's the key is determining if somebody's fourth, queen. Uh, yeah, no fourth pair. De- de- determining if someone's queen is weak enough that one pair isn't enough to go broke on, like you know, Daryl Brunson would say. So I, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could imagine a number. 
you know, I don't know if it's a shove. I don't. I don't really don't remember. We had like a hundred and something, hundred fifty. So. Yeah. Oh, so we both had a one fifty after the last bet, right? Or no, I mean after the flop bet. So after the flop. Okay, so everybody's got one twenty five left now. Yeah. So if we have one twenty five left, there was seventy five, sixty. There was there's like a hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy in the pot. So, so it's you know. A yeah, so if you you can almost shove here if you if that's if you want if you're the type of player that again it goes back to reputation too are you the type of player that has a reputation at this table that has shown down only big hands and has only shoved with the nuts or stuff like that then it's like okay you have to really put these guys on not having monsters which if they did have monsters they likely would have raised since a lot of draws got stronger on the turn so when they didn't raise you they probably don't have monster hands so you got to come up with a number if you're going to bluff i would say it's got to be 80 to a shove you know uh, 80 yeah i would agree normally but it obviously looks like we're in a game where bets are smaller than they normally are right yeah and the pre-flop raise was the seven uh four callers and um so I guess the uh, the flop bet actually was pretty decent at twenty, but yeah. then the, the turn bet was not though. The twenty five was really really low. So I mean I suppose you you might in this game be able to get the outcome we're looking for um, at fifty, but I, I do agree with you. I'd be more comfortable with. Yeah, 80. I I would bet eighty. So. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but that could also just be a mistake on our part betting only twenty five. The other guys could have played normal betting, and we don't know that. that. That's so. True. But I, I would I would have to bet something pretty significant to make them want to call with one pair, knowing that we woke up on the turn and bet out. Even though it was small, we still bet out into somebody who bet before us with positions. So um, to me, I'm just checking and hoping my sevens were good and somehow these guys were both drawing and missed. Um, but, you know, one guy was trying to steal and then gave and then called because he was actually picked up a draw on the turn or something, and everybody missed their draws. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but... You know, I don't think somebody was playing Queen uh, Jack Nine. I don't think somebody was playing Six Nine. Um, somebody could have had a ten, and now they've hit the ten. Um, so he might lose that way to a showdown. But I really think one or two guys have queens out there, and I don't think you're going to be able to get both through both of them. One of them is going to call you, so I would just check. All right, uh, Hero says I thought about bluffing, but decided against it, and I think I let a really good opportunity go by. The hijack had queen five, and the button had king queen. Yeah, told me after the hand that he would have had no idea what to do if I pushed all in on the river. Uh, so why didn't I bet? I didn't see a good hand to represent unless it was a set of fours or sevens. Uh, there were two opponents instead of only one, and the hijack really didn't like his hand on the turn, but called anyway. Well, I think. Uh, I think kind of undervalued your spot there. I mean, again, I think it was the, the hesitation on their calls for the very small turn bet that is what would have emboldened me to push these both off of the hand. So, and I got to think if the king queen was going to fold, the queen five was going to fold to that that bet that we were talking about. Even the fifty dollar bet, I think at that point, maybe not. But yeah, the other thing too is that I I think he's right that the set of fours or sevens would have played it the way he played it. Um, because let's say it was sevens. So pre-flop, it gets to you, you raise with pocket sevens. Nothing wrong with that because you only had one limper and you wanted to have position, you know. So, and again, you raise with six sevens, so why not raise with seven sevens? So you raise with seven seven, flop your set, pretty innocuous board, nothing there that's going to hurt you. And then you're like, okay, if I bet out now and they all fold, I'm wasting a set. So I'm going to check. And of course, I get a guy to bet and then I got to call. I'm happy with that. So I just call behind. 
Now that makes sense. Now the turn comes and the board gets wet. Two diamonds, three to a straight, middling straight, but still three to a straight. Now you're like, um, okay, it checked to me. I think I'm going to wake up now. I can't give them another free card if I check again. So now you bet 25, which was probably small, but also it looks like you want to get called because you have a set of sevens. So I think that that story makes sense. The fours, not so much. I don't think you raise preflop with fours there. You probably right. set mine. So the seven seven is the story. Um, but then you you kind of chickened out at the end. And I, I I but if I were if I were you, yeah. I and I had that in my head. If I thought about it and then thought back how I played the hand, since you bet on that turn, that was the key to this whole thing working. Was yeah, the bet on the was, turn actually? And I don't even think you needed to sell the sevens there too. I think you just selling a better queen. Than your opponents, and by a better queen, I mean probably a two pair queen, like uh, maybe you had queen eight. Yeah, but you wouldn't erase preflop with queen eight. The story has to make sense. Yeah, and you're not having a better queen unless it's two pair, and that that doesn't make sense. Right. Only here that makes sense is queen ten, and he didn't know he had queen ten on the turn. So it has to be a hand that you would check after raising preflop, and it has to be a set. That's the only hand that would check there, and it's it's kind of a it's a well, again, if we're talking about people who are trying to put together a story, right? But we're looking at uh, uh, somebody who limped in front of us pre-flop with queen five. Right. And then someone that called a, a raise on the button with king queen, which is not terribly out of line, but... Um, no, that's that's perfectly... In this kind of a game, that's perfectly fine. The queen but, five but again, was odd. They both, they both got spooked on the turn when we bet 25 bucks. So, I I don't know. I, I, I think... This definitely isn't the most sophisticated one-two game we've seen, right? So right. I think forcing people to kind of put the story together, I don't think um, isn't as important here as it is elsewhere. Um, I think here you just got to put some doubt in people's mind, and I think uh, a, a decent bet here would have put enough doubt in Queen Five for sure's mind, and probably the King Queen, as he mentioned, he wouldn't known didn't, he wouldn't have known what to do if we shoved all in now if we only bet the 50 then maybe he would have called so yeah but really i think you're you're dealing with folks that i think are not putting people on proper ranges i think they're there to have a good time and uh if you can convince them that you know your hand just isn't as good then you don't have to sell a story now obviously selling a story is is much better than not one but not really uh, necessarily a case here. I think you need to do that. But let's talk about how sick uh, our straight would have been if it came in. With I know. Five, I know. Right? Yeah. Guy would have made two pair. You would have made the straight. And then the other guy would have had top pair, second kicker. And, you know, it would have just been probably the lights out for you. You would have made a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't, I, we say it often, but we don't want to sell short the one two games i mean you and i only play one two and we we have the ability to understand that there's a story being told there's so much information out there i don't think every person playing one two is someone blindly walking in with their check and shoving every time they have ace jack i I think it's it's that there are enough sophisticated people out there that if you can get one guy to believe the story who has you beat and then the other guy who just is scared because of the bet well then you've increased your odds exponentially by by that bet I, you know if they're both clueless then any old bet might do it but if one guy's not one guy is you know i think being able to recognize a story that makes sense in your own way of playing and then selling that to them if you get one guy to buy it that that increases your odds so um but yeah it's a shame that you you didn't bet there and again we don't know what happened he even said the guy didn't know what he would do if you shoved but that doesn't mean he wouldn't have called either so 
Exactly. Tough. Yep. But yeah, if you know you can put somebody on one pair all the time, you can almost always get them off one pair. Almost always. Just depends on the bet size and and the mood they're in. But uh, yeah, uh, seven six. Boy, these hands every week. You think, oh, it's going to be nothing, you know? And then boom, it, it's always interesting by the end. This guy knows yeah, how to I mean, I imagine tell a story. If we would have seabetted like we wanted to. Uh, I'd be interested whether King Queen would have raised us there. Yeah. And if Queen yeah. raised us there, then what do we do? I mean, on the turn, I mean, we're going to check that turn, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what he would have done at that point. I mean, if he's a decent player, he would have kept up the pressure, but um, he very easily could have pushed us out of this as well, too. So we had a lot of things working against us here, I think. And that's Well, that's one of the reasons why you don't want to not have position when you're playing small cards like this, which he tried to get position, he raised preflop, but it was only seven with a limper ahead of him. You know, it should have been like 12. And then, of course, you probably still don't get the king, queen, the queen, queen's button, right? So you don't get the king, queen, the fold, probably. But um, if we did bet out and then he raises us, now you check the turn, he bets on the turn, and you fold. And so, yeah, you probably lose the same amount of money in the grand scheme of it. Because if you bet, he raises you call, there's the bet that you would have you would have bet on the turn anyway had you you know what i mean so no matter what you probably lose the same amount you just don't get to the river to find out so it's interesting it, it, the dynamics of this hand is pretty interesting yep well uh that was uh what hand three that he sent hand us three, so we got uh, five like more five left so this is uh, the brandon huff show i'm chris casenza and i'm scott long we'll see you at the table anti up is a production of antiupmagazine.com contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com if you'd like to advertise send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335 some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the podsafe music network you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply